When I talk to property investors, they often tell me using debt is a key advantage over other asset classes. In the stock market, using debt is often called gearing. The new BetaShares Wealth Builder Funds, ASX ticker symbols G200 and GHHF, offer moderate gearing across Australian and global shares for investors who are comfortable with the higher risks associated with gearing their investments. You can discover how they work by visiting betashares.com.au. Please don't forget that gearing magnifies gains and losses, so read the relevant PDS and TMD on the website and consider if the fund is right for you. BetaShares Capital Limited is the issuer. Is there a Spotify wrapped for investing? If you want to invest in shares or ETFs, our friends at Perla are more than one step ahead of the curve. On average, people who use Perla invest $1,750 every month. That's what we want to see, proper dollar cost averaging. With automated investing tools making your life simple, Perla investors have well and truly mastered the art of investing small bits lots of times. So if you're ready to start growing your net worth in 2024, follow the link in your Spotify or Apple podcast player right now to discover how you can get started today. Welcome to the Australian Finance Podcast. I'm Kate Campbell. And I'm Owen Rask. And we're here to give you the tools and knowledge to invest both your time and money better. If you're new, feel free to jump in with our Starter Pack series that aired in early 2022 or our Shares or ETF mini series. We've got plenty to share with you in today's episode, but if you want to catch us on socials, head to Rask Australia on Insta and Twitter. I'm also found at Kate Campbell AUS on Insta. And I'm Owen Rask AU on Insta. Just beware of the fake accounts. We'll never DM you about trading strategies or crypto. And if it sounds a bit weird, it's probably not us. And just one final heads up before we get into the show. This podcast contains general financial information only. Welcome back to Investing Month. And today we're talking all about shares. Yes, we are. We're diving deep into what shares are, why people invest in them. And then there'll be a little bit on there about how we think about them and what you could just like a checklist that you could go through, a really simple one to get started investing in shares. Because most people, Kate, when they think about investing, this is what they think about. Yeah. They're thinking about companies like Amazon or Tesla or Disney or Commonwealth Bank or BHP. Yep. And they're thinking you need to be rich to be an investor. We've already been through that. You don't need to be. Uh, They think it's really complicated. When it's not, we kind of covered that in the last one. You just create an account. Uh, And they think like it's really difficult to kind of like go and find things to invest in. Like it's really difficult to be good at it. Uh, And which in in some cases it is Mm. really difficult, but in some cases it can be really simple as well. Um, But we are going to talk about shares, just like we're going to talk about ETFs and those other things throughout this series. First of all, Kate, the obvious question is, what are shares? Yep. So shares represent ownership in a company. So a company could have one share, like your local coffee shop. So we just went and Went to Axel around the corner. They don't sponsor the podcast, but we drink a lot, so they may as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I could own a share in that business if they let me. They're yep. a private business, so they probably won't. Yep. And then when you're a shareholder, you get to benefit from all the people like Owen and I buying our coffees because hopefully that means the business grows in value and it may pay out investment income. Yep. Okay. So you mentioned Axel, which is a pretty uh, well-known uh, coffee uh, here in Melbourne, a big coffee chain, one of the most successful in Australia. But another coffee chain that's on the stock market is Starbucks. Yes. Starbucks is the big US one. 
um, I don't rate their coffee, coffee as highly as Axel, but that's a public company, meaning that it's on the stock exchange. So anyone who has access to the stock exchange, so their brokerage account, can go and buy it. Yeah, and you can buy a share in Starbucks and then suddenly you're part owner of this global business and you get to benefit if the company does well. Yeah. So companies go public. So mo- all companies start privately. So they start as like, you've obviously heard of those stories of like, Google getting started in a garage or whatever. You know, Apple started by three people, including Steve Jobs. Uh, and then they grow from that to a point where they do something called an IPO. If you've seen The Wolf of Wall Street, you know what we're talking about. It's where a company goes from private to public. So it goes from being held by people, individuals, um, and maybe other investors in there, to being available for everyone. So it goes IPO. And that's when you can start accessing it through your brokerage account. Now, why might you want to invest in shares, Kate? Well, you get dividends. That's a form of income. Um, And you get some growth if you pick the right stocks and the stock market goes up. So can you talk to us maybe about what is a dividend? Because that seems like one of the fundamental things that people think about. Yeah. So we referred to investment income earlier in the series, but if a company generates money because you're buying their services and people around the world are also buying their products and services, they may choose to pay out, they being the board of directors and senior management, part of that to shareholders. Mm -hmm. So if you own a share in that company, they they call this money a dividend. So this is money that will land in your bank account and it will be how much you get will depend on how many shares in the company you own. Yeah. So for example, if a company made a profit of 100 million dollars, it's a big number, but let's say it's $100 million, um, it might say, we're going to pay out 50% of our profit, so $50 million, to shareholders. Now, if you were the only shareholder, you'd get all of that. But if you were half, if you own half of the shares, you'd get half of that, so $25 million. But most of the time, most of us own a very, 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 very small number of shares, or at least a percentage of the business. So even if it did have a $50 million dividend, you might get 20 bucks or 100 bucks or maybe if you own a few you might get you know a couple thousand dollars but um that's the, that's kind of like the way it works in the share market is you have maybe 10 20 30 different shares or if you have ETFs maybe you got five or 10 different ETFs and they make up a big part of your portfolio and you kind of spread your eggs across the basket and you get dividends from a lot of them not all of them okay yep not and companies don't have to pay a dividend so yep. it some investors specifically look for companies that pay dividend because maybe they want to use that income to support their lifestyle. Yep. I think a really good one here is actually just to quickly talk about how people go wrong in shares. And I'll just quickly give you a, you know, a couple. One is they think too short term. They buy the shares today and they think what's going on tomorrow, the end of the month, the end of the year even. But all of the studies tend to show that you need to be investing for five to 10 years. Uh, and typically, what we find is the best way to invest in shares for the majority of people is to use index funds. What is an index fund? We'll cover this a little bit more in the next couple of episodes. But an index fund is basically where you get the entire share market in one. So one big uh, basket, like an ETF, all in one, and you just make one investment and you get a little bit of everything. Mm. Uh, and that's typically the best way to invest for the ma- for the majority of people. But some people do like to buy individual shares and they make money from that. But one of the things that where people also go wrong early days is they tend to get swept up in the emotion of investing. Mm. They get sucked into a big idea like, oh, this thing is going to change the world. If anyone says that to you or if you're thinking that, it's probably a mistake. I've never seen that before yeah. work. So 
And a lot of people jump into a share they read about online without even understanding what the company does. So yep. that's one of our sort of big things we ask listeners of the podcast to to do at minimum is just be able to explain to a friend what this company does and how it makes money. And that question can stop you at a high level jumping into things that you saw about in one article and just thought, hey, that's a good idea. I'm going to buy this. Yeah. So what we're trying to get at here is there are many ways to invest in shares. You can see already, and we'll cover ETFs in the next episode, but you can see already that you can do it different ways, but there are ways where you can kind of minimize your chances of risking it all. And one of those ways is to maintain what we call a core portfolio and then have a satellite. So let us explain what that means if you're new to it. It's a very important concept. So a core portfolio is where you put your less risky stuff. So some of your ETFs, maybe um, like you can have index funds and ETFs. Um, you might put some of your bigger investments in there. And then on the other side, you have your satellite. And this is where you might have individual shares that are a bit riskier. Those ones that haven't yet paid a dividend, those companies that are a bit smaller or companies that you don't really understand. And they would be really small positions. So this way you have two different portfolios if you think about it. You have your one that's like stable, boring, everyone tells you it's the right thing to do. And then the other side you're like, yeah, but I could be pretty good at this thing called investing. So I'm going to give it a shot over here in my satellite. Most people start the other way around. Most people start with their satellite and then they forget about their core. And after a few years, they realize it's quite difficult. So they go back to their core. We say you can do both. And I think you, Kate, have it in a separate account. Yeah. So like you separate to, the money. Yeah. Mentally keep things separate, especially with my core portfolio, which I'm looking at with a really long-term horizon. I don't plan to sell things for over 10 years. I keep that separate to the individual companies I buy, which require and should require a bit more work yeah. and me to do some research and actually go, hey, what is this company up to at the moment? Yeah. So the companies and the individual shares is what we're talking about. That's on one side, it's in a different portfolio. And then you've got the, the other thing, which we often see with like dollar cost averaging or automation, where you just continuously add money to it and it invests. And then the individual shares, uh, maybe they're uh, in a separate account with smaller amounts of money. So how do you go about picking individual shares? This episode is principally about that, whereas the next episode is more about the ETFs and we'll go through a similar checklist there. So, Kate, you mentioned something. What's the first thing someone should do or so someone should know? You can look at their annual report and mm -hmm. that gives you an overview of what the company does and what they've been up to in the last year, getting a really high-level sense of what the company does and the products and services it offers and who it sells to. Yeah. So this is, like you said, it's on the About Us page of their website. Uh, you can find an annual report. You might be wondering, well, what's an annual report? A lot of people talk about this in investing. You get this from the company's website. Typically, there's an investor section or it will say corporate. Mm. And that's like the part for investors to go to and you can find their annual reports. But you'll also find those in your brokerage account. So you go find the company, say it's Telstra, you put in the ticker symbol TLS. You'll remember that from the last episode where we talked about finding companies and finding things. You use the symbol or you use the name, you find it. And then there's a news and announcements tab in your brokerage account. Click on that and you'll see that it's uh, it tells you all of the annual reports, it shows you that some of the results releases as well. But it's not actually that difficult to find out what a company does. Now, some of the businesses, of course, will be more complicated than your local cafe or figuring out like a bakery is easier to understand than say Telstra because it has to build mobile communications networks. But we don't expect that someone would know how 5G wireless is created. That Even the analysts wouldn't know that. 
um, what we what we would typically find out is what industry does the, the company work in? What products does it sell? And if you can, this is the harder bit, how does it differentiate itself to its competitors? Mm. So it's easy when you look at a cup of coffee, you know, Axel's good, Starbucks, not good, but still people go to Starbucks, right? Um, but in Telstra's case, it might be very difficult to know the difference between what 5G Telstra has versus what 5G someone else has. But it's through that that you've discovered what a business does. And we would encourage you to write this down. Yeah. And if you want to play along right now, pick a company that you use the products and services of. Maybe you brought Nike Runners the other week or you bought a Starbucks coffee, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, despite the fact there's many better options in Melbourne. Um, <laughs> maybe pick a company that you have used their products and services you're not going to invest in it. It's just at a high level practice answering and looking up some of this information to see how the process feels to you and whether you actually are curious about what the company does. Yeah, just find out what it does. Like literally just like, what does it do? Write it down in like two sentences. If you can figure that out, it's um, you're on your way. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, the next one is a little bit more difficult to find, but it's probably more important, which is who runs the company. So we know some of the famous people like Elon Musk and Tesla, for example, uh, but there are some super talented pe- people around, including families that run businesses, uh, and they are on all the things you might not expect. They leave their mark and these entrepreneurs have done things which are quite incredible. And what we're looking for when we look for the, the people that run the business, the management team, like the CEO, who's the boss of the management team, or the board of directors, which is in charge of the CEO. What we're looking for is we're looking for people that have been there quite a while, typically, or that would likely be there for a long, long time. And they own shares in the business that they run. Because if they own shares, then you can bet that they're not going to try and blow it up just to get a bonus because they need their shares to do well as well. Mm. Um, and I prefer, and this is pretty well established that I prefer companies that um, have a founder still running the, or at least on the board. So the person who created the company to begin with. Yeah, the, the person or persons that have created the company to begin with and or the, the family. So I like family-run businesses because family-run businesses have a distinct advantage over others is that they have to think for the next generation. So you can still have family-run companies on the stock exchange but instead of owning 100% of the company, they might own like 30%, which is enough for them not to get booted out, yep. for example. Uh, and I look for these companies um, that I can understand, so the first one. The second one is you want to find people that will have integrity and they've got alignment with other shareholders. Yeah, and they've got the experience and skills to, to back it up. And you probably see this yourself in your own workplace, how much the, the board of directors or the CEO or senior management impact the culture at the company and how well the company does and what it feels to work there. So thinking about this as an investor, looking at the team page Mm. or looking at LinkedIn and seeing who are the senior people involved in this company, what has been their history, have they got a history of not so successful companies behind them or have they been part of really great teams and businesses in the past? Google is your best friend. This is where people who find out what we're talking about, what you and I talk about, long-term investing, this is where they realize it's not about 
computer screens and they realize it's not something that you do in your pajamas in your mum's basement. This is actually something that is incredible because you get to see how the world works. Like you get to see how did that Starbucks coffee end there and why did prices go up mm. recently? Um, and it becomes really, really fascinating because it doesn't matter if you're into shopping or you're into sports or you're into reading. There's a business that does all of those things and sometimes probably thousands of them in all of those things. And you can find out which ones are most exciting and most interesting. Yeah. And an investor we interviewed recently on the show discussed investing as applied curiosity. And I really like that way of looking at it because you do need to be curious to spend time doing the research and finding the answers to all these questions because they might not all be that obvious. Yeah. Good point. The next one is what's the company's moat? Now, this moat sounds very weird. So for those of you that haven't heard the analogy, a moat is obviously the ring of water that goes around a castle. Chuck some crocodiles in there, some yep. spikes. Yeah, and you'll have a good Australian away. business. Yeah, um, but <laughs> enemies as in the competitors keeps the competitors away. So the and moat future. In yeah, a way. yeah, it does. Yeah, the moat protects the castle. And what's the castle? The castle is the business. So this is, and you think about it, it's like a defensive feature. So it stops the enemies coming across and smashing down your castle. Because we know in the world that we live in, which is capitalistic, we know that if a company does really well, like if this coffee shop does really well, Kate, what would you expect to happen? The price of the coffee goes up, the queues get longer. Yep. And then a, a new coffee chain opens next door. Yes. And tries to knock them down. Yeah. And tries to take some of those customers away. And that's capitalism. That's what we want because that means that we get lower prices and more people in jobs, et cetera. Yeah. And you can think of local businesses you go to. What makes you go to that business over the one around the corner? Is it something about their service? Is it the quality? Is it the price? Is it that they're open at different times? Like just thinking about it at a small scale and then you can use that sort of way of thinking at a large scale of why is this company better than the five other companies that offer very similar products or services? Yeah. So those that ring of water around the outside, the moat, that's what protects the castle. And that's what we're looking for. So we're looking for the what's called a competitive advantage. Which the, could be a brand. It could be a brand like Nike. You mentioned Nike before. Or Louis Vuitton. What Louis makes Vuitton. people pay a lot more for that handbag than one at Target? Yeah. Well, a good one is like Tiffany & Co, right? Like so... Same diamonds, often not even as good quality, selling for three times as much. And why do people pay so much for Tiffany? The box. The box. The experience. The box is what you get. You get the box and you get a stamp. Um, and that is it. When you think you pay an extra $10,000 for that, it almost seems crazy. It seems irrational. But it's, we are not rational creatures. That's it. Some businesses have the potential to do that. We mentioned Starbucks before and how we probably don't really like drinking coffee from there. But they have so many premium items. You can buy Starbucks tumblers. Frappes. And you can buy coffee beans from there if you like the brand. And it's one of the biggest coffee chains in the world. And it is an incredible, it has been an incredible investment, an absolutely incredible investment. And yet here we are, obviously we're a bit snobby from Melbourne, but anywhere in Australia has good coffee, right? So um, we might see it and we might be like, well, that doesn't make sense. But also at the same time, I wouldn't shop at Louis Vuitton, but it's a fantastic business, mm. right? And so as an investor, you discover these kind of secrets of the world and you can invest in those businesses, even if you don't buy the, the goods yourself. So the next thing that we're looking for is at number four, we're looking for a growing industry. And the reason is sometimes companies can misstep, they can go bad, they can have an off year, and the stock market punishes them, absolutely punishes them. One minute of stock can be down 25%. 
because you thought it was a good report, but they've everyone else thought it was a bad report and it's down 25%. Same business as yesterday, but 25% lower and you're fretting. And what I've found over time is that typically the best investments, like best companies and shares, are those that are in growing industries and they're good in that industry. So a good example would be zero, uh, not, so, not so much zero, but say Google. Uh, it's now called Alphabet, but say Google. That was the best search engine in an industry that was growing, i.e. the internet, rapidly. right? So you've got the industry growing and you've got the search engine market growing and you've got Google dominating that market. And so what you effectively get, if you get like a wave on a wave on a wave and it can just take off. And then even if it has a bad year, it's probably still going to grow. Because a bad year for it is not as bad as another business that's in a declining industry, like say like magazines at the time. So we try and find a really good company using those first three criteria in an industry which is also compelling. And finally, number five on the list is we're looking for companies that trade at reasonable valuations. This is quite technical, so we don't have to go into it in this series, but we do have courses that are available for this that teach you how to do this. There's one for free as well. There's one for free, yeah. You can find all that in the show notes. But basically, we're just looking for companies that aren't like off in the clouds. Mm. Because if you just find companies that meet all the first four criteria, you can understand them. You know what they do. They have really good management teams. Uh, they have really strong competitive advantages. No one's breaking into their castle. Yep. And number four, they're in a growing industry. You find all four of those things, which you can do, then you go, wow. And then you look at all the companies and they're all really expensive. Like the shares are really expensive. So that can be a risk because then you overpay. So the trick is not just finding these great companies, it's finding them at a reasonable price. Not bargain levels, but reasonable levels. And it kind of stops you from overpaying. So that's the five-step criteria, Kate. It's a bit more technical, but we do have a guide for that. Yep. It's totally free. There are courses that are totally free on that. But let's just recap what we've covered. So what are shares, Kate? Yep. Shares are just a piece of ownership of a company. It could be anything as small as your local bakery to a large public company like Alphabet. Yeah, like Google. Alphabet, Google. Yeah, like Apple, whatever. Um, you buy shares through your brokerage account, the same way you'd buy ETFs. Yep, and you sell them through the same place and you hold them in the same place. Yep. Uh, one of the things that we didn't cover, what, why would you buy shares? Because as a whole, the stock market as a whole, which you can invest in via index funds, has been the best performing thing to invest in over the very long term. So like 20, 30, 40, 50 years. The best thing. Um, people get People make mistakes because they try and rush it. They try and find hot stocks or get tips from their friends. Or they put all their money in one single company instead of putting it in a range of different companies. Yep. Take our tip and use a core and satellite approach. Use your core maybe with ETFs, which we'll cover in the next episode, and then have your satellite somewhere else where you don't muck it all up. You don't muddy the waters. That might be your individual shares, the Telstra, the Commonwealth Bank, the Apple, all that sort of stuff. And then you have your boring ETFs over on the side. And you can follow our checklist. There's heaps of resources below. There are other you know, investing mini-series that we've done. We've got whole podcasts devoted to this one topic. So uh, go and check it, those out and um, stay if, tuned for yeah. the next episode. If you're interested in investing in companies around the world, there is so many resources out there and there are thousands of different investments mm-hmm. to have a look at. So if you are curious... We have plenty to further that interest. Yep. Between now and the next episode, what would be great? Write down a company and see if you can run it through that checklist. What does it do? Like, what does it sell? Who runs it? Who's the top dog in that business? Uh, What is the company's advantage? Like, what do you think makes it good? 
uh, is the company in a growing industry? And you maybe not so much about number five, which is the valuation, but we can come to that uh, in future episodes, no doubt. And you can go back and listen to some prior episodes, which will be available in the show notes. Okay, this was fun. Next episode, next stop in investing month is ETFs, which I'm excited about. I'll see you then. Amazing. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast. We hope you learned something new and were able to take one thing away from this episode. If you're keen to learn more, head on over to Rask Education and take one of our free money and investing courses. You could even become a Rask Core member for less than your Netflix subscription each month. And don't forget to subscribe for new episodes in your inbox every week. Plus, if you enjoyed the show, we'd love you to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and send any questions our way via the link in the description. And before we go on, did this podcast contain personal financial advice just for me? Absolutely not, Kate. Our podcast actually contains general financial information only. What that means is the information does not take into account your financial needs, goals, objectives, or even your situation. So because of that, it's important that you consider if the information is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on it. If that all sounds a bit confusing or you're still working out what your needs are, it's a great idea to consult a licensed and trusted financial planner. And don't forget to do your own research. Are you thinking about starting your wealth creating journey, but not sure where to put your hard earned dollars? InvestSmart can help. InvestSmart offers a free quiz that makes it easy to find the right InvestSmart ETF portfolio to help you reach your goals. Just visit investsmart.com.au and hit get started. Answer a few simple questions about your goals and how much you want to invest and you'll get a tailored statement of advice with a portfolio recommendation. You can visit investsmart.com.au for a no-obligations free statement of advice. This ad is brought to you by InvestSmart Advice, AFSL 334107. For more than a decade, I've been hunting for the best investors and their methods, strategies, and tools for investing. After years in the industry, countless books, a few degrees, and 1,000 podcasts and live shows, I've rolled this accumulated knowledge into something called Rask Invest. If you've ever heard me talk about a core and a satellite, active and passive, true long-term compounding, or you simply want to know exactly how I would invest, now is your chance. Rask Invest is our new investment service, designed for all types of investors who want professional management of their core portfolio at a low cost from a team they trust. Rask Invest helps you automate your wealth creation and passive income. Simply click the link that says invest with Owen in your podcast player to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Rask Invest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.